Jungle Podcast is raw, it's real, it has zero gimmicks, zero bullshit, and absolutely zero fucks to give. Welcome to the Iron Jungle. This is real, no bullshit, no holds barred, wide fucking open podcast. We've been at this far too long to be fucking around. This is the jungle. Where anything goes, no holds barred. We're going to be talking about the real shit. How to succeed. In a world where you have goals, but there's so much misinformation and bullshit trying to sell you something. This is the informative podcast. And there's no hope behind the jungle. The question is, are you ready? Welcome to the jungle. Welcome to the jungle, baby. Welcome to the iron jungle. Let's go. What up, guys and girls? Welcome inside the iron jungle podcast. Vanilla Gorilla Dream here with the topic. You guys saw the topic. You clicked on it. You're here to listen. You're here to be educated uh, from two men who, I mean, I, I would say that we know a little bit about this stuff in terms of just being involved within this industry. Drew has been a, a competitor for a long time. I'm actually going to be competing in my first show here shortly, but compounds while on contest prep. What does that mean, Drew? What does that mean to you when I say that to you? In other words, I'm actually going to kick off and preface this episode first by... I'm disclaiming in general, like this doesn't mean this is medical advice. This doesn't mean this is what you should do. This doesn't advocate that you should use any of the things we're discussing on this episode. It's for informational purposes only. Don't fucking DM me. Well, I guess you can. I'd rather have you do it than fuck yourself up. But you know what I mean? I'm not encouraging anybody to go above and beyond use things. Of course, if you're not comfortable, you don't have to necessarily take things to compete. But the point of this episode is these are the type of compounds you use specifically for getting ready for a show. And I'm talking about pushing your body to insane levels in terms of low body fat while maintaining lean muscle mass, even with these compounds in place. Contest prep is no joke. It's a very serious endeavor. You have to be in it 100% if you truly want to do it to make it worth it. You know, there's risk versus reward. There is an inherent part of this contest. It's like kind of the unspoken things. You know, we've been on the highest levels, Olympians, so on and so forth. These are all part of the game. It's kind of part of the sport. You know, there's tested organizations. So once again, I'm telling you, you don't have to use these type of things. But if you're talking about commonplace, everyday type of compounds for untested competition, this is kind of the point of this episode to kind of give a guiding light. I know a few people are going to be curious about this. And, you know, I, I'm sure it'll spark some good discussion. But I just want to preface the episode kind of with that opening piece as well. Yeah, I think that's good. Like, we're not here to encourage anybody to go out and buy some of the stuff on the black market and start injecting it into your body because you think or you want to compete. But the fact of the matter is, if you're competing in an untested organization, you're going to be going up against guys and girls who are taking something. So that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to take something in order to place well or do well. But, I mean, we've seen people that, that you know, I guess you could call them natural athletes go into, say, an organization like the NPC, uh, and they get housed pretty quickly by somebody that's using a compound. Now, those same people can be like, well, they cheated. No, they didn't. It's an untested organization. It's free-for-all. There's no – cheating does not exist in the MPC. If, if, you're, if you're a natty or you're a natural athlete and you take a compound and you come off that compound and you still compete natural, well, then you're kind of a piece of shit like, because now you're, now you're cheating the system. Um, but so to dive into it here, compounds, obviously, most of them are going to be you know, your, your anabolic steroids. But there are peptide-based compounds that people can take too. We may or may not get into some of that stuff here on the episode. But the most common compound I think anybody takes – is a variation of testosterone. And there are several different variations of testosterone. I know there's, um, there's test sus, there's test sipinate, propinate, there's test E. I mean, there's, there's blends. Um, so, Drew, I mean, in terms of that, people are looking at these at testosterone, um, which, is, which is a relatively safe compound as well. I mean, assuming you are dosing it correctly within protocol and not, like, freakishly dosing yourself out of this world, you shouldn't have many, many side effects. I mean, in terms of maybe some acne and things like that. Um, 
But most people are going to approach tests and be like, they don't know which version is for them and which one they should select. So in like a quick synopsis on the different variations, is there a way to explain it to the, the average listening consumer? Actually, yeah, think of it this way. There's all of them at the end of the day, all compounds you use in terms of anabolics are derived from this hormone testosterone. Okay. So there's different types, you know, there's nangelones, there's DHT based things, progesterone based drugs, so on and so forth. When it comes to test, basically, essentially, the base testosterone molecule, testosterone compound, there's different esters. When I say esters, basically, that means how long the half life of a certain compound is. Things like decanate, enthanate, sipinate are three of the most common ones out there. Those are going to be your longer esters. Typically, you can dose them higher and um, how much is, um, active testosterone is available like per milliliter when you dose it. The pros of it is you don't have to pin it. When I say pin, I mean inject mm-hmm. quite as often. You can get away with pinning once, usually twice a week depending on what you're doing. A lot of TRT guys are lower dose testosterone. anywhere, 200 milligrams or a sweet spot for that. You can usually get away with pinning that once a week. The half-life will allow you to sustain those testosterone levels of course of a week. The downside – is it is a longer ester there is the uh, ester is quote-unquote not going to be as potent and i'll explain that in a second compared to something as a short ester it also for some people you may hold a little bit more water retention there can be a little more aromatization in other words aromatization is a conversion of testosterone into estrogen so there's other things that come into play ais aromatase inhibitors so on and so forth that kind of reduce that we'll discuss that later in the episode right so the most common one in America, like the typically the U.S. version of a long ester test, is test sipinate. Mm-hmm. Testosterone enthanate is considered like a long ester version typically from uh, European. So both of them are pretty interchangeable. Honestly, right. between the two, you're not going to see a huge amount of difference. Test decanate you really don't see unless – now we're getting a little more complicated here. My personal favorite test I think overall, aside from test prop because it just hits really hard, is actually Sustanon 250. Now, what that is, that's per milliliter is a blend of 250 milligrams of testosterone of different lengths of esters. You get the best of both worlds. You get some testosterone decanate as well as phenylpropanate, propanate, and sometimes they even add test acetate, which is super, super, super short. So in that case, you're having different lengths of testosterone in terms of what you're injecting. It keeps the blood levels of the drug stable. Mm -hmm. So. Keeping it simple, a lot of times, like, for example, if you're looking for somebody to use a first cycle of gear, everybody's like, oh, what should I take? Should I take trends? Should I take EQ? Should I take this? I'm like, no, no, bro, bro, bro. If you've never used anything before, you have fresh receptors, whether it be contest prep, bulking, so on and so forth. 500 milligrams a week of something like testosterone sipinate or testosterone enthanate, you will grow like a weed. Right. You don't need a ton of gear. And this is on the before we go any farther, I'll say this too. When you if you choose to use anabolics, start with as little as you can for as long as you can. And the rationale behind this is someday you will plateau. You know, so think of it this way. If you're like, say, not to be a dick, if you're like 160 pounds and you start blasting all these compounds and all these type of things just to get to 180 pounds and your goal is to be 200. If you blasted all that already, what are you going to do when you plateau around 180 pounds? Are you going to like take three or four grams of this shit a week? Right. Now this works. So you got to play the long game here, okay? Mm-hmm. And I will also say that no matter what you're taking, there's no magic drug out there that's going to get you there overnight. This shit takes a long time. You know, you see these outrageous cycles online and people are like, I took this, this, and this, and I transformed to this. Or they look at what their pros use and, oh, if I don't look like a pro, I got to take what a pro takes. That's mm-hmm. not how this shit works. Right. So back to what we were saying here. Your long ester is testosterone enthanate, sipinate, decanate, which you really don't see. And my personal favorite, like especially on the current contest prep right now, Suston 250 is a great blend of tests. Mm-hmm. You have some shorter ones in there. The most common one is going to be testosterone propanate, which is like a short ester test. 
And as I alluded to earlier, I'm not sure if you've mixed them up yet in your contest prep. I don't know if you have or in past the previouses, but in theory, testosterone prop will be stronger than, say, for example, enthanate. Yep. Now, when you look at this on a milligram milligram basis, okay, how can this be? Okay, so when you look at, say, 100 milligrams of testosterone enthanate versus 100 milligrams of testosterone propanate, keep in mind, testosterone is bonded to the ester. So when your body essentially cleaves that off over time, when you're doing testosterone propanate, I believe the number is around 80 to 85 percent is going to have an active testosterone ester after the propanate ester is cleaved off, is faster acting, harder hitting. I'll explain that more. Versus enthanate is around 65, 70 percent. Mm -hmm. So after you know, milligram per milligram basis, you have 60 to 65 milligrams of, of active test compared to 80 to 85 milligrams of active test. So in a way, you pack more punch when you use a short ester one. Right. The downside of short esters um, is you have to pin more frequently to keep blood levels stable. Right. You're also not going to be able to get as much active testosterone like you say i want to take 500 milligrams a week of test you can do two shots of 250 milligrams of testosterone enthanate versus you're going to need five cc's or five pins of the testosterone prop because it can't hold as much in solution you typically see 100 milligrams per milliliter so i'm kind of leading into that and i don't want to take over the whole episode with this initial part but that's kind of an overview base of the initial tests. And I think, too, on that point, if you are on contest prep and you're using testosterone, most likely the version of testosterone that you take is probably going to change the closer you get to show uh, to stage two. So Drew mentioned that like test site, which is what my TRT protocol is. You tend to hold a little bit more water with that. Well, the closer you get to stage time, it's going to get switched to maybe more of a short ester, something along those lines where you're not going to hold as much water because obviously conditioning and you want to be lean and dry, but you still obviously want to maintain that muscle mass. So for me in my situation, like my coach will have me switch, you know, from, from test site to one of those more shorter. I think we actually talked about prop. Um, I, if I remember right, you know, closer to showtime. Um, again, the negative side of that is you are paying more often and, and, and as you pin, like every little injection point when it comes to contests can be visible on stage. So you obviously, it's a, it's a catch-22. You have to juggle um, what you're going to do in, in terms of that. But I would say, yeah, the most popular compound that anybody is going to use, whether it's contest prep or if you're going to jump into compounds to begin with, you should start at test. Um, we're going to talk about a strong one here that I've heard people use for, this is, this is, I've heard some people go to this as their first compound they've ever used, which to me is fucking insane, but trend. So trend is one that we hear a lot of people talk about being a super strong anabolic steroid. Um, it's, it's great in terms of a lot of, a lot of positives to it. I mean, in terms of contest prep, when you're obviously leaning up, shredding it on stage, you want to maintain muscle mass, but it should never be the first one you turn to. If you are either just diving into this world, contest prep, you should definitely not start with trend. No, I agree. And here's the thing about this too. A lot of times people are like, oh, I want to get bigger. Oh, take trend. I want to cut. Take trend. Like trend is like this magical thing. Honestly, the nickname for it is so fucking strong is unicorn blood. Mm -hmm. It's kind of funny that that's kind of like the, you know, the nickname for it. But to me, I feel personally, and I don't, I fucking, I don't care if anybody wants to fight me on this, I really don't care. I think trend is overrated. If you're looking to add just like straight up lean mass and size, trend will keep you very dry. At the end of the day, trend was made and designed on cattle to maintain and even grow lean muscle mass while losing body fat in a super low calorie deficit while waiting to go into slaughter. Trend is made for cattle, though yeah. it does a very good job in a contest prep stack, okay? 
in terms of the positive benefits of it, it's extremely, extremely potent. You'll notice a nice 3D effect from it. You'll stay very dry. You hardly converse any conversion to estrogen, so you don't have to worry about that. You do have to worry more about progesterone-based side because it can increase pro – it's a progesterone-based drug for prolactin. Mm-hmm. So sometimes if people start trend, they start getting issues with gyno and stuff like that. It isn't usually an estrogen issue. It's because they're having issues with prolactin. In that case, things like cabergoline, um, some people – what was the other one? I remember off the top of my head. There's another one. Um, Dostinex, I believe that's still Caber. There's another one out there, I can't remember, but it lowers prolactin levels. You don't always have to use that one, but sometimes you have those side effects. People like, they think that the uh, gyno is an estrogen issue, but often it's prolactin in disguise. I'm going to throw this one in here too. Honestly, I personally think it's, it can be very useful in a conscious prep stack, a very close cousin, and one of my favorite off-season compounds freaking ever is NPP, nandrolone phenylpropanate. Yeah. It's a cousin of trend. They're both progesterone-based drugs. So you get the size and the strength and uh, of the uh, trend, but it's an excellent mass-gaining drug. It's very dry like trend, and also you get the strength. Your joints feel great, but also it's more for gaining mass and muscle fullness. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I don't – in uh, trend sometimes, I especially carb depletion, you can look a little flat. You may look hard, but you may look flat, right. and I prefer NPP. So honestly, not telling you this in any way, I've even some people kind of stack half and half trend and NPP to get the best of both worlds. But that's another thing to consider too, and I know some people are throwing encyclopedia drugs and we're on page one still, but hey, this is – drugs aren't simple. Yeah, no, I, I mean – that's, that's actually something I didn't even know. So Drew's sitting here educating me on the podcast, which is great. Um, another one that, that, that's taken in correlation with trend quite a bit is Masterone or Mass. Trend Mast is a cycle that you, that you tend to get. Um, a lot of coaches will have you take them um, simultaneously at the same time. Um, do you have experience with that or any feedback on that? Yeah. Masterone, I think you're honestly, most people won't see a lot from it mm-hmm. if you're taking it by itself. It's a very potent compound, but to me, the best place it has, it adds that nice hardening effect, the fullness effect. It complements trend when you use, especially at a lower body fat in terms of like fullness and dryness. It's very potent, but I wouldn't take it as a standalone. Um, a lot of times, one of the most common stacks you see, especially in like a cut mix, you'll see it pre-blended, which is super convenient. Um, one that I get has 100 milligrams a piece of test prop, trend ace, and mast prop. And it's in per one milliliter. So the one that's nice because I can get all my compounds in. I'm not a pin cushion. I'm not pinning a cc of each. I can get all three in one. And I'll talk about a few tips and tricks. And once again, I'm advocating this shit. I'm just saying, you know, hey, this is this is real. This is a raw episode. But if you're using something like that, you can, of course, you know, get more in there. The downside too, it, um, when it comes to compounds, you don't want to go too high in terms of this, like stuff. I see like there's out there like a T500 or whatever. That means a 500 milligrams testosterone per milliliter. Do Jesus. keep in mind that sounds great, Christ. but the downside of this is like too much compound. One, it's going to be really hard, and there's a chemistry lesson to stay in solution. If you have too much in the oil, it's not going to be stable. It's going to crash. In other words, it's going to fall out. It's going to crystallize. Yeah. It's, it's just going to be really hard to keep it from you know to be to inject properly. That's why you don't see these massive doses per milliliter. The other issue with that too is you know when you're injecting all that into one location, whether it be a large amount of oil or if you have too many milligrams of active you know compounds, it's going to cause some issues in the muscle. You keep hitting the same spot or using too much or using like a really shitty compound so on and so forth in terms of the oil carrier, they're going to have nodding, you're going to have soreness, you're going to have issues in terms of the injection site. So I will warn you though, on your first time you ever use a cycle, um, you're going to be fucking sore, okay? It, Extremely so, virgin muscle tissue. The first time you, know, you do a cycle, like, oh my god, my glutes have never been so fucking sore in my life. Mm-hmm. 
I will never pin my quads again. I've had so like two bad. I've tried it twice in my life. I had a horrible experience both times. I'm like, nope. And you know, I, I have other sites I like, but bro, I don't, I don't know. If people can pin their quads. I'm, I'm too much of a bitch. Or maybe my quads just say no. But the thing too to keep in mind, um, if you're having soreness from pinning, one, it could be a you're trying to put too much muscle there. B, it could be this a virgin muscle tissue which is not used to it. Over time, it gets better. Three, you may be putting too much too often in the same muscle group. That's another factor. Or C, one thing that's kind of out of your control, and I'm not – we're in no way, shape, or form we're going to discuss sources on this episode. But if your person or wherever you're getting it from uses whatever like, – um, like, like stabilization agents, oils, carriers, so on and so forth, um, too high in the acid content, so on and so forth, it can make it hurt. It can make the muscle crash. It can make the muscle irritated. Bad. Some use grapeseed oil, cottonseed oil, so on and so forth. Yep. The best shit that I like, I love this stuff. It's MCT based. Yeah. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, so it's good. A little bit more pricey. Those are a few quick. A little bit more expensive, but uh, but you, you should go with that too. I mean, yeah, you could you could get a bad batch of backwater on something too if you're doing, um, you know, if it's water based, and you could have yourself a fucking knot. Like, here's the thing, and not to go off the rails here, but if you end up developing one of those knots or whatever, uh, it's not a tumor, it's not cancer. Like, you can literally take. Uh, a tennis ball, roll it out, take some ibuprofen, just keep rolling it out until it goes away. I've had one before. They suck. They're painful. They hurt. Uh, and you look at it and you're like, holy shit, I just gave myself cancer. Like, that's what you think because you're, you're not sure. Um, but it's it's definitely, you can get up. But to Drew's point, yeah, you're going to be sore. And the first time you do a cycle, at least in, in my personal um, experience, I was scared shitless. I was scared because, you know, you see these movies, if you get a little air bubble in the syringe, you think you're going to die, but you're not injected into a vein. Just, you know, relax, chill out. You'll be all right. You're going to be good. But um, back to compounds here. One that I skipped over, I should have jumped in with test. Um, I think it's probably the most common stack when it comes to contest prep a lot. I mean, at least it's an old school stack is you have your test that we talked about and then DECA. DECA is going to be um, a very popular one that people use. Uh, DECA's got a couple good benefits with it with tests. I mean, obviously for me, what I liked about DECA was um, it, it helped with my joints a lot like, and, and soreness. So, so when you, on, you get on a test load, you start lifting heavier. That's a lot of wear and tear on the body, and that could really help with that. The negative side of that was the water that you hold. Um, you do, you can be a little bloated from it, um, you know. But it's part of the process. Typically, you're taking Deca early in your contest prep. You know. 12 weeks plus out because as you get into 12, 10, 8 weeks, you don't want to be holding water. Uh, so that, you know, for, but I think, you know, in terms of compound, it's another one that I think is relatively safe and it, uh, it complements test very well. No, DECA is great. A lot of people like it. I've personally never used it, believe it or not. Really? I've never used DECA. I have no interest in using DECA. I just, when I wanted to run the compound, I jumped straight to the NPP. So those of you out there listening, NPP and DECA are both the same drug. It's nandrolone. One of them is DECA, um, nandrolone decanate. In other words, a long ester version, also known as DECA for short. NPP is nandrolone phenylpropanate. I like the NPP because you get the fullness, the joint support, the strength, the mass, everything in DECA without the water. Once again, we go kind of back to the long ester for short ester as a water retention. I rarely have any issues whatsoever when it comes to water when I've used NPP. I really like it for that reason. Amazing fullness, like you blow the fuck up. It's not uncommon on this one to gain like three or four pounds at least initially a week over the course of it. It's just like, holy shit, everything neat just sticks to you. <laughs> a lot of it's nitrogen retention, muscle fullness, you know, glycogen fullness. It's not always true muscle, but thing is too, is it just, it sticks to you. Um, so yeah, it is very common. A lot of people love it for joints or even take a low dose of it just kind of as a maintenance thing for joint health. That is very common um, for strength, of course, and mass gains as well. Another one that's super common, a lot of people like adding it in. Um, my downside is it takes a very long time to kick in and it takes a fairly high amount because it's not always dosed very high in terms of it is EQ, yeah. equipoise, also known as boldenone. 
the pros of this one is if you have appetite issues, the main thing I noticed from it, it makes you just want to eat your fucking house. You're always hungry. It has a nice, slow, stank, slow, steady strength gains. And also it has a nice bit of fullness. And the main part, it can also help bring out some vascularity. Right. If you're a fat, pudgy fuck, even if you take UQ, you're not going to have veins magic overnight. But it will help with that one. Yeah. The downside of this one is it takes a long time to get in your system. If you are, for whatever reason, taking it in an off-season, if you're a piece of shit and you have a drug-tested organization, you be aware it's also one of the long longest one hanging out esters is going to be in your body it's detectable for a long time you never get after it off of it in terms of detection and the other part you got to be super careful with and that's any compound especially test or especially eq keep an eye on your hematocrit levels and your red blood cell count because it how it works testosterone eq all these they increase your endurance and training capacity by increasing red blood cell count the pro of this is endurance, oxygen carry capacity. The downside is it can make your blood thick. Thick so, as fuck. Yeah. Thick blood is not a good idea to a certain degree because it increases risk of, car of cardiovascular events. Okay. Just in general, keep an eye on your, eight, your hematocrit levels, your cholesterol levels, and your liver enzymes. Tudka is an amazing thing to keep in there. I mean, we've done another episode on PEDs, but in general, if you're going to do this, you need to keep an eye on your blood work. And I've said this before: if you have the money to do a contest prep stack, but then you tell me you can't afford uh, can't afford seventy five dollars in blood work, yeah. you're a fucking asshole. Right? Like, you're, seriously, it's stupid. I don't understand that. It's amazing. Yeah, so, EQ2 back on that point as well. It's one of the more minor compounds too. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's not a strong thing in terms of like, you know, trend or anything like that. It's minor. You, you might not see a lot from it. Some people might not see a lot at all. I mean, it's working, but it doesn't work significantly quick. Like you're not going to see something massively change in three days. Like Drew said, it takes time on EQ. And EQ is still kind of a staple in a lot of people's, uh, a lot of people's contest preps as they go. Um, I'm going to talk uh, two, two compounds that are used quite frequently when you start to get closer to stage two. You want to cut down that body fat. You need to get down to 5%, 6% body fat. You're typically going to be taking uh, Winstrol Anavar is, is a lot of times what you're going to be taking. Now, um, Winstrol you can take orally and uh, injectable, and an Anavar I believe is just orally, right? So um, I would take an injectable all day, every day. Uh, Anavar, I mean, I think you, I, I don't, there's not an injectable form of Anavar, is there? It's all pill, pill format, right? I'm sure somebody's attempted it out there, and once again, I don't, honestly quite frankly don't know. Right. Uh, but most times you're going to find it in tablet form. Um, I haven't used Winstrol in any of my preps except for my second one. Aside from that, usually I don't feel it's necessary. I'm not a big fan of it. I don't know once again a whole lot from it. I just the, the pros of it, it can dry you out. It makes you look super dry, really crisp. It's a nice finishing touch. The downside, it's super hard in liver enzymes. It'll dry your joints out, so your joints just fucking oh, hurt. Shit. That's the downside. Um, it's a very potent DHT-based drug, and it also has issues with hair loss if you're more sensitive to that. VAR is kind of a cousin of that. It's a different compound, very similar effects. Hardening, vascularity. I'd prefer some VAR over the Winstrol. Downside of VAR, it's very expensive. The pros of it is that it's very mild. It's what a lot of ladies will use. As like mm -hmm. a, as a, maybe a lot of times it's a standalone compounds, like bikini girls, figure girls. Um, it's very common because it has low side effects, not very androgenic in terms of hair loss, um, you know, acne, things like that. It's very mild. It's just a lot of times you have to be careful. Sometimes some asshole dealers will you know, be selling you Winstrol and say it's VAR. It's expensive. Yeah. Um, that's something too. Of course, there's staples in your prep. It's not exactly anabolics, but um, through a duration of most of your prep, clenbuterol is an excellent agent. It's a beta-2 agonist. It's a cousin of uh, albuterol. Mm -hmm. It was originally developed as an asthma drug. never passed FDA um, you know, regulation because it's too long of a half-life, but it increases metabolism like crazy. It's awesome for the cutting drug. Um, I like to stack it with a low dose of T3 with synthetic thyroid hormone. 
it's a peanut butter and jelly stack. It makes a beautiful stack. We'll talk about stacks as a whole in general. Um, I'm not gonna give away like a whole thing. I mean, that's what people pay coaching for. I'm not gonna <laughs> give you a how-to guide, but you know, it's 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 another compounds are very common. It kind of complement all these things. So that's another thing too. Well, one um, thing, one thing to warn people on clenbuterol though, just make make sure you monitor how much you take. The first time I took mm-hmm. it, I took a little too much, and then I was shaking like a motherfucker. So you also want to watch your caffeine intake with it um, as well. Too much caffeine with with too much clenbuterol, you are gonna be bouncing off the fucking walls. Um, but it's good, yeah. Like to your point, I mean, it, it works amazing for appetite suppressant. It, it works good, um, increased body temperature for thermogenic. And it's, it's you know, we, we we've had this conversation before, Drew. You know, ECA or clenbuterol. I think the big difference between an ECA stack, which is going to be your ephedrine, caffeine, aspirin versus clenbuterol. I think the side effects might be just a little bit different between the two. Um, but overall, I think that you've mentioned that you prefer the clenbuterol versus the ECA. Yeah, they're they're both beta agonists. So the ephed- ECA stack, particularly the only one you can really find that's true ephedra is like the, the synthetic version of it, because in a way that comes from like bronchade, something mm-hmm. like that. C is caffeine, A is aspirin, ephedrine, caffeine, aspirin is kind of an over-the-counter one. Clenbuterol is so easy to get. You use a lot less of it. I feel it's much cleaner. I like how it you know works in that regard. Um, same thing. I just prefer that route. Yeah. Another one that most people don't, I guess, ever think of. I've never used D-ball, Dianabol. Um, really have no interest in it. Right. While powerlifters like it's great for short-term, like, you know, strength, super fast strength increases. You'll blow up in terms of weight. Like, it, you hold a lot of water with it. It's a great bulking drug for some, but it's not true weight in my opinion and it can fuck your blood pressure um i actually really like to stay full sometimes on prep depending on the prep hey this prep not so much last prep last year i liked it a lot um terinaball it's t-ball basically what that is yeah. is a second generation uh d-ball but it's a dry version of it great fullness crazy pumps you stay full on it it's great to add in to maintain fullness on a stack once again just different experience levels different stacks and so forth that can be a great recomposition agent as well to stay full some people also as well, this one is very common in a bulking stack, like peanut butter and jelly. A lot of people like doing um, this with Tren or Test, and it's also great for strength gains. It's very powerlifting. Is an old school one, Anadrol. Mm-hmm. Anadrol is very good. It will raise your blood pressure pretty quickly if you're not careful with it, but the strength is nuts on it. Um, the first time I used it back in the day in an off-season, my issue with it, and some orals can do this, it wrecked my appetite. Like, honestly, I just, I, it just made you not hungry. So orals can have that effect on it. Second time I used it, a couple years later, you know, I was like, hmm, I actually really enjoyed it, you know. But it, it is, you feel, like, heavy with it, if that's a weird way of saying. You know, I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of it. But, you know, a lot of people, they freaking love it. But it will fuck your blood pressure, and it can have a huge – anything oral-wise. Right. It be very hard to liver enzymes. You know, yeah. you just feel – you feel toxic, if that's a way of putting it. That's why, you know, it's because something solid to have in your cabinet, for sure. So, or, you know, I use <clears throat> a comp, or use liver from RevivMD, which is Tudka, Knack, and I believe Milk Thistle, um, which is solid. But that yeah, T-Ball – T-ball is great. Um, it's also basically, for, for from experience, like Viagra as well. I mean, it's a whole different world if you're a dude, so you're going to enjoy that for sure um, if you like that. Uh, two other compounds we'll, we'll talk about here <clears throat> that aren't um, steroids per se, but they are used quite a bit in contest prep. The first is going to be growth, growth hormone, which is a peptide. Um, now, uh, I'm a huge fan of growth hormone in general. Like, I think it's a, I think it's a lot more safe uh, than, than a lot of the other compounds that we take. I mean, depending on if you are... You know, dosing it correctly. Now, the big, we didn't talk about, like, inje- so most of the stuff that we talked about before is either going to be oral or IM, intramuscular, in terms of injection. So you're going to be using more along the lines of, like, a longer needle. Now, if you're lean enough, you can get by with an insulin syringe and go into your adult. <clears throat> I know some people do that. But, like, growth, for instance, the sub-Q, you go into the belly fat. 
a lot of people do like four IUs a day. Um, it, it, but the problem with that is most of the shit's probably fake on the market or it's just HCG. So real growth is expensive, but it yep. works It works extremely well. The thing about growth is going to take a long time, quite frankly, a lot of times to notice much from it. The first thing you'll notice is how your recovery rate is. Your skin looks amazing. You just feel good on it. Mm-hmm. Highest I ever use is 4IU a day, a split, and I liked it a lot. It helps you stay leaner when you're in an off-season. It can help you maintain some nice muscle fullness. It can help have you hold a little bit of water with yeah. it. So, I mean, not something like toward later preps a stack, honestly, drop it. Yep. Um, it is very expensive. That's the downside of it. A lot of times shit is fake. Um with that being said, you know, it is a good compound in there. So it works better with other things. As a standalone, I don't think most people are going to notice a lot from it, except for if you're looking for anti-aging, that's a different story. Mm-hmm. But in terms of true muscle growth, I mean, you see people blasting these large amounts of it. Either A, they're not getting real shit and they can afford it, or B, they have, you know, a mattress full of cash, whatever it may be. If you can afford more growth, great. The more, the better to a certain degree. But then, of course, you have some different possible side effects. Organ enlargement, um, carpal tunnel, because it increases, you know, tendons, shit like that. It can have some negative sides. And the uh, main thing is this, this is very expensive. It's yeah. cost prohibitive for a lot of people. Yeah, you're going to buy them in a kit typically. And, like, you know, that kit, depending on where you get it from, it, it can be as little. I mean, if you have, I mean, three, $400 a kit, it can be up to $3,000 a kit, depending on if you go through a compound pharmacy. I mean, if you're buying it through a pharmacy, the, you know, the quote-unquote legit way, you're going to pay thousands of dollars for it some of them um they also have uh you know growth pens now too that you can inject with it you know but those are there's a limited number of dosages in it and they're expensive as fuck as well um the other thing and it's one thing that i i refuse to touch and um but it's, it's popular is is insulin slim like i don't, I don't want to do it only because i make one mistake with dosing i could fuck my whole self up on this one but it's po- it's very popular on contest prep people We'll inject insulin. It helps with a plethora of different things, your, your muscle fullness and pumps. Um, I don't have any personal experience with it, so I can't speak on that. Um, but I will, uh, you know, I, I just know it's super popular. And I think if it's done correctly, you know, um, I've heard horror stories before, but if it's done correctly, it can be super beneficial. Yeah, it, it's it can be very awesome. <laughs> yeah. I've used it a couple times, quite in an off season. I really like it. Um, I'm not a big fan of long acting insulin like shit, like high insulin all day. Um, but in terms of short acting stuff like pre-workout, that's one time I found it was helpful. And once again, this is a very advanced protocol. Do not fucking do this. Okay. It's very dangerous. Okay. This seriously, do not fuck with this stuff. Um, unless you're a very advanced user, even then at your own fucking risk. But uh, Humalog, which is short-acting insulin, or Nova Rapid, which is one, is a Canadian version of a short-ester one, uh, pre-training, along with a large amount of, well, large relative of fast-acting sugary carbohydrates, some of the most insane, stupidly, almost painful pumps that you will ever experience in your life. It is fucking stupid. The downside of Slin is obviously, you know, if you fuck it up, death. Um, that's, that's never fun. <laughs> yeah, that's a big downside but, for sure. Um, the other part too is if you use too much of it, if your insulin spike level to elevate, you're going to be in storage mode. It's also pretty easy to blow the fuck up and get fat. If you fuck up your insulin, you start keeping pounding a bunch of carbs. I think a lot of times it's not too much insulin itself. It's fear because people take insulin, they start taking carbs and carbs and carbs and carbs. Oh, fucking hypoglycemic. And then they just they eat too much and they get fat, you know. So you just need to regulate your dose. You don't need tons of IUs of this shit, you know. Just keep it in check. And I think it can be a useful agent. But honestly, I'm sure some like Chris Acido is a fantastic coach out there. He's amazing. He's big on insulin protocols. I personally never used it on a contest prep stack. I really wouldn't um but when i pro of it too and here's the devil's advocate some people advocate it in an off season or properly used because it's less wear and tear on the pancreas it's not having to produce its own insulin there's pros and cons to this obviously but 
you know, it is something worth worth discussing. So on that note, you know, we can move on to the next thing. But a brief note on that. Yeah, I think as we wrap up the episode here, the, the thing to, um, you know, as we, we talk about contest prep, we've, we talked about a lot of different compounds here, Drew. Um, it's not uncommon for someone to be on four, five, six compounds at one time. I mean, it's, you know, you, you ask people, like, what their stack looks like. And I remember the first time I asked somebody what they were on, and they, I think they listed off four or five things. I was like, holy fuck, like, that's a lot, you know? I mean, I thought that was a lot then, but it's not uncommon to be on that many different compounds. And then people are be like, well, well, how do you know what's working, what's not working? I think to Drew's point before, he mentioned, like, peanut butter and jelly. Some of these compounds complement each other very nicely, and, and they go well together. So, I mean... The typical number of compounds that you're going to probably be on is probably anywhere from three to six. I mean, in that case, you know, as you go through a 12-week, 12-, 15-week prep, that's not uncommon. So if you are thinking about this, understand that there's going to be a lot of stuff. Understand that it's not cheap. It's expensive. Understand that you should get your fucking blood work done and pay that money to get that done. Um, and uh, understand that you, you might become a pincushion for 12 weeks. So, um, you know, it's something that you're going to have to deal with if you're serious about, you know, competing at the highest level. Yep. Third part two, I mean, once a little prep hack here, and especially the reason I love mixes, the downside of mixes is that if you want to customize it, like, okay, like, for example, there's different ratios of, say, trend to test or NPP to test, secrets, but, you know, things like that. If something's already pre-blended in, say, a mix, you can't really customize it. You're stuck with what the dosage is per milliliter. Mm-hmm. The pro of that, though, is if it's the mix that you prefer and like, you can get away with a lot. You have more compounds within a small amount of oil, and you can use things like I absolutely love, and I may masochist whatever here. I'll pin daily when I'm using some of my short ester stuff in prep. The rationale for this is it keeps bl- – I'd rather take smaller amounts more frequently than large esters or larger amounts more spaced out mm-hmm. because it keeps blood levels more stable, less side effects, less fluctuations, so on and so forth, more even feel composition-wise. So, for example, if you're using that cut mix or whatever there, I will, I'm a big fan of backloading insulin needles. Super small, you know, half-inch pins. If you're lean at this point, it's great. Yep. Um, rotate between pinning your delts, your pecs, um, or two actually a very common one. Yeah, I'll oh. pin my chest with yeah. those slim pins. It's great. It's awesome. Um, between delts and, and slim pins, rotate those sites, keep your muscles fresh. You're not putting this big-ass needle in your muscles, less wear and tear, less trauma, um, and it rotates okay. it away. Another big thing too, yeah, try it out, um, is when it comes, especially getting closer to a show, stop pinning your fucking glutes because yeah. the thing too, if you've been pinning your glutes forever and you get lean, you're going to luckily have a golf ball on your ass on stage. That's not a good look for anybody. I mean, I saw it a couple, fuck, who was, I think two years ago at the Olympia, somebody had, uh, some pretty bad marking. I'm like, bro. And you see it sometimes on shows, some of these guys, they don't stop pinning their glutes and you can tell that it's all the scar tissue from sticking their fucking glutes have these weird lumps on their mm-hmm. ass. It's a scar, scar tissue buildup that can go away over time, but you can definitely tell like, you know, man, okay, I've been pinning for a while in the same spot, kind of like a hard or a more firm lump here, you know, it doesn't necessarily hurt, but like you can tell it's like definitely brutal. So some injection sites, um, glutes are a good favorite one, super easy delts using once again, if you know what you're doing, you know, a shorter needle is great. Those are two primary sites I'd recommend. If you're more experienced, a great spot. Some people are scared as fuck to do this, but your ventral glute, when yep. you Google that shit, yep. ventral glute injection, you're like, what the fuck? Because mm-hmm. it looks like you're stabbing yourself in the hip. Yep. But there's a huge pocket of tissue there. There's nothing to get sore. It's not a moving muscle. It's actually a medical injection site. It works yeah. really fucking well. You can do things. I wouldn't get like in carried away. I'm going to pin my calves. I'm going to pin my biceps. I'm going to pin my triceps. I've done biceps and triceps with a slim needle before. It's not bad. But once again, anytime you get in those smaller muscle groups, you have a higher risk of hitting something you're not supposed to. I wouldn't recommend it. Um, it's, it's not a good idea. No. But delts for sure. 
Pex, yeah. if you know what you're doing, can be a great spot. Some people like pinning their traps. I know actually oh, a guy here that you know as well. He likes pinning his lats. Oh, fuck. Could you not? He like, flares his lat out. He'll stick it in his lat. I'm like, nope, I'm nope. good. Interesting. I mean, yeah. Nope, nope, yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. Like, I've done my quads recently, uh, but I have hit a nerve before, and it's weird. Like, your quad will fucking do a, a little dance <laughs> for you, you know? Um, last thing we'll do, we'll do as we wrap this episode is, obviously, in conjunction with these compounds, you need to be taking an aromatose inhibitor, an AI. You need to take something with that, whether it's a Rimadax, uh, Aromacin. Uh, there's a plethora of other ones, too. I mean, y- if you start to feel soreness in the nipple area, start getting puffy, you need to nip that shit in the butt real quick. Um, I mean, Anastrozole or whatever, I, I think Arimidex is probably the most popular that a lot of people will take. But, I mean, some of the other ones are what, Drew, that, that others are taking right now? Arimidex is the most popular one. It's also known as an Astrozole. Interesting, I'm not a responder to an Astrozole. My body does not respond to it like it should. Yeah. I know this for a fact. When my first contest prep, I went and had blood work done, you know, and I was pretty far in it, and this is a good reason to get blood work done. I didn't have any sides. I didn't have gyno. I didn't have water retention or anything like that, but, you know, um, I had, like, some, like, I was, wasn't feeling good, you know, okay, make sure my I wasn't toxic or anything. Bro, my estrogen was through the roof. It was mm-hmm. at 234. Woo! So I went to the TRT guy and said, okay, what I'm going to do, I'll put you on, a, you know, a two milligrams a day of uh, natural, which is insane, just yeah. for, like, a few days to get it down and retested. Yep. So basically had me – here's the thing. About a half a milligram every other day for, for relative perspective is a common dose of this for maintenance. He did an emergency protocol. Once again, this is not standard practice. This is you know, right. a guy who knows what he's doing, TRT clinic in that case back in Omaha, Nebraska. OK. I took that you know, two milligrams a day okay, for a week, came back and retested. And it, like he's like, OK, it's still pretty high to drop to a milligram a day. But then the thing is after two weeks, he's like, what the fuck? Like – you're eating this shit like candy. This was from a legitimate pharmacy that they work with, like an actual, you know, Walgreens CVS type pharmacy. It was a legitimate, true anastrozole. He's like, well, this isn't very common. You're in a very like small percentage, like a half a percent in the world that doesn't respond. But clearly, you, you're one of the people that does not respond to anastrozole. So I just switched to another compound. I personally like exemestane or aromacin, which is a different type of AI. So the difference between the two. An astrozole uh, Arimidex, it, it binds to estrogen and just prevents it from attaching. Exemestane aromas on your hand is a suicide inhibitor. Basically, it bonds to the estrogen on there and basically circulates and just, it kills monocule. It doesn't allow it to attach. So there's two different ways of these mechanisms work. I like the latter. Yep. One, another one that's very common is letrozole. That one is yep. very super potent. It takes a low dose of it. It's like a super anastrozole. That one I have used and it does work. You have to be very careful with that one too because it can crush your estrogen level and you can be likely to do an estrogen rebound. In other words, if you crush it too low, your body can bounce back to a higher level. Yeah. So that one is a very serious compound in terms of that one. You can fuck yourself badly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think so you, brought good, you brought up a good point there. Like Arimidex is your typical, right? Um, mm-hmm. Aromacin, for me, I had to take it because um, I had some soreness, you know, almost like an emergency protocol, like you said, to where we started taking uh, like a half a tablet of Aromacin for a while. And then and, and like three, four days. It was gone. It was fine. Um, so a lot of information was covered on this podcast. Um, you know, we talked compounds, AIs, peptides, injection sites. Again, just to reiterate, Drew and I are not here telling you to take anything. We're not doctors. We're nothing like that saying, you know, this stuff is going to give you X, Y, Z. Obviously, whatever you take, that's your prerogative. It's, it's, a, it's your own body. 
Make sure that you take care of yourself. Blood work, consistent other supplementation that takes care of your vital organs, your AIs, and make sure you do the fucking work. You can't pin yourself, sit on the couch, and expect to get big. Like, it doesn't work that way. So if you're out there and you're one of those people who judge people for taking anabolic steroids, understand this. They still have to work just as hard, if not harder, than everybody else to put that shit to use. So um, if you like what you heard on the podcast, hit that subscribe button. We're on iTunes, Spotify, over at iTunes, YouTube, Spotify. Um, We are on Facebook at the Iron Jungle Podcast, at Vanilla Girl Jew on the IG at Fitness Informant on IG and any topic suggestions, let us know. Otherwise, hit that uh, rating button. Leave us a review. Helps out the algorithm. Um, and I'm sure most people are going to enjoy this show. It's one of our longest shows to date, one of the most interesting shows to date. And uh, let the questions let the questions come. You get one question for free. After that, we're going to start charging you.